Welcome back to the Racial Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ford, joined by a very special guest, first time appearance from Fandom Wire and also representing the Native American delegation. Toriano, say what's up to the people. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited to join. Oh, no, tell I me, mean, you know, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, you know, do the do the hard sell, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I am a writer and administrator for Fandom Wire. Uh, I also am a co-host on Comic Book Saga. I also write for Agents of Fandom and I'm the representative for the Native American delegation. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I mean, how, how are you feeling about your how are you feeling about your, your squad? I mean, you, you filled up your roster uh, this this week. You filled it out. Yeah. Um, talk it. You know, let this is your this is your opportunity to do the let people know why you are taking the crown this year. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm taking the crown this year because, uh, first of all, I looked into a very, very uh, productive roster coming in. Uh, I believe I started off with, I think, six characters just to come in. Uh, the previous general manager did a great job uh, of establishing a strong roster to begin with. Um, but to name a few names, uh, some of my best names, I'll say I have Iron Man Tony Stark. Um, I have Dr. Doom. I have The Thing. I have Echo, who is also the current Phoenix Force owner. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a name that I'm trying to keep right now is also Shang-Chi. Uh, so I'm trying to keep him right now. We're going to talk about that a little later in the episode. But I'm very excited about my roster. And also, you will be seeing America Chavez, who is on my team as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you know, while we have you, this is your also your opportunity to, to talk a little bit about what these characters, you know, in their Native American incarnations, you know, seem like to you. I mean, you know, you can you don't have to do every single one, but you know, you know, maybe just a couple of your favorites in terms of ideas that you have in mind for for the Native American versions of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will talk about Shang-Chi a little bit later. Um, but for Namor, uh, I kind of wanted to use him somewhat of being, uh, I want to say, in the Atlantic area. Um, I think that's how I kind of wanted to pinpoint him as far as where um, where Atlantis would be. Okay. Um, so just having it in that area, making it make sense uh, from a geographical standpoint, and also him having the skin tone of a Native American. Mm-hmm. So, so were you thinking, sorry to cut you off, were you thinking of it basically being kind of like, I mean, because I, I know that there were some rumors that the, um, that in, in Black Panther 2, the Atlantans might have some connection to the Mayans, you know, that uh, something like that, where there was like a lost city that was um, a native, a native indigenous city that might have yeah. gotten flooded through some sort of, you know, magical chicanery or what have you. Yeah, that was actually my initial idea, and um, that was kind of why I fought so hard a little bit for Namor. Um, I just thought it made sense from what the MCU was doing uh, from a geographical standpoint. Everything that I've been kind of doing, um, if they have some sort of lore, I try and make it make sense towards their background. Of course. So I think it made sense a ton for Namor to, to most likely be Native American and also give a little bit more representation because, as we talked about a little bit earlier before the pod, um, Namor is a little bit ambiguous. He doesn't necessarily have any distinct race um, that really defines him as a character. So I think it made sense to attract him with that race um, and give him that sort of representation as well. Mm -hmm. And one other thing, I mean, one thing about Namor, he, it doesn't really 
come up a lot in his story because he is so connected to Atlantis. Um, but, you know, obviously in the traditional comics, he's Namor McKenzie, you know, he's got a, yeah. he's got a dad, random, random. Uh, I think he's a, I guess he's a sailor, right? Is that, is that right? Um, I think, he, I think it was a sailor. You know, so I, I imagine that in, in keeping with that, you, you have his father uh, be Native American as well. Yeah, I think I would make his father Native American, have his mother be from Atlantis. Um, but I think that would be kind of, it's kind of uh, gaudy to do that because then you start getting the Aquaman comparisons. Right. When, well, no, I was know, thinking, comic book I, fans. I was, I was, I was actually just thinking of it being where where the Atlanteans were themselves descended from Native Americans, American. and then of oh, course, yeah. and then of course, his father just a modern you know, like a, a modern Native American. So that, so there, it wouldn't be like a, it would still be somewhat cross-cultural, but they'd still kind of have that in common. On that note, you know, it'd be really interesting because there's so much like, especially in North America here, we talk about Native American land. Mm-hmm. What about Native American seas? If the Atlanteans come from right, Native right. American. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, like reservations. That vo- <laughs> yeah, that voice that you heard, it was uh, uh, FCL guru, Sean, uh, you know, uh, say we're, we're still in the intros portion but you just hopped on it was cool <laughs> uh i guess now's a good time as any to, to mention that we're also joined by uh plain old regular uh regular appearance pair uh randy from the black delegation uh, oh is, is it my turn okay well, hello, <laughs> thank you for having me don't worry. There's there's this way. There's enough tension to go around. I'll I'll, I'll get on everybody's case, but um no no. But I like that idea with Namor. One other thing about Namor is that Namor Namor is often defined by his distrust of the white man, and uh, who better <laughs> who better the Native to Americans be to represent that? <laughs> who better who better? So I am not mad at it at all. Um, I'm hopefully, you know, you'll flesh it out a little bit more. You get some of those nice little bonus points. Uh, hopefully oh, you'll yeah. get someone, hopefully you'll get someone to illustrate, you know, listen, I'm all, I am, I like to make it rain bonus, bonus dollars and bonus points. I guess, you know, um, we can talk about it. Um, the approval ratings, if you guys can, can, can get your campaign on and get your high, high approval ratings, you'll get some more points because like I said, I'm just feeling magnet magnanimous when it comes to <laughs> giving people, giving people the incentive to get creative with these uh, oh, yeah. racial draft, draft choices. Mm-hmm. But before we get all the way into the racial draft, but actually one more, do you have any other um, one character that's really, that ha- has come up a lot uh, ever since you made the controversial choice, and that's going to be uh, Victor Von Doom. So I got it. You've had a couple weeks to to think it through. Like we, I want to know. I want to know what Native American Victor Von Doom is all about. Honestly, I've I've come to the conclusion that I do want to keep it in uh, the northern region of of uh, the United States, um, to okay. where it in the reservation that is really the U.S. is not allowed to build on. Um, okay. It is considered sacred ground um, okay. currently. And it's it's more so an area that is, uh, as normal people would call it, haunted, I guess you would say. Okay. Um, because we can't, we can't establish any land on there because it's simply cursed land. Okay. So I kind of wanted to establish that as it being um, a cursed land because it is kind of surrounding um, the area that is uh, a reserved area for Native Americans. 
Okay. Like they've put they've put the enchantment on the area. Okay. Per se. Mm. Um, so I kind of wanted to make that lot barrier um to okay. make it make sense for the Native American reservation and to allow for him to be able to leave and come back as he goes as um a representative of the reservation. Mm-hmm. So that allows him to go to MIT, that allows him to meet the Fantastic Four. Um, mm-hmm. that allows him to go to college because at the same time he can return to his reservation with him being a child of mm-hmm. um i guess being a child and a representative of the de- of the reservation now what but one thing about if i do remember my you know i like doom has of course diplomatic immunity as a you know as a um head of state Later. like mm-hmm. from a from a legal perspective i don't think treaty powers work the same way mm-hmm. um you know i mean i they one thing that you might have to work through is just kind of how 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 he can do all that he does with impunity with <laughs> um on american yeah. i mean technically on technically american not soil. american soil, technically but, american soil or at least you know still within the bounds of american the american treaty power and the legal power rather than international um international power but but I like it. I think it, I think it's got some cool ideas. It being Latveria being um, a tribal land. I was I think uh, Sean Sean you're gonna love this because I think I had suggested that it be uh, that it be in Canada instead, uh, <laughs> just because just because Americans are a little bit more. Uh, I was about to say pretty you're, happy. <laughs> like outside of New Zealand, the best chance you're gonna get for meaningful representation is probably over here in Canada. You know, so yeah, maybe yeah, just maybe just want to push like. I was just gonna say we we had discussed about it being like on the border of right of the U.S. and Canada, so kind of like in that North Dakota area between like on the border okay. of North Dakota and Canada. Um, no, we got um, Canadians and Americans arguing over who actually has claim <laughs> in Latveria. Yeah, yeah. sure. It, it'll be almost like Honestly, a DMZ situation, if, you know. If I could, if I could kind of interject here, I feel like a, a very like, as y'all said, you know, a, a dispute between um, America and Canada, but also just like, you know, I guess you want to include the fact that Doom is a genius. So, like, if he has all this like kind of um, technological know-how. I assume he would be doing something to kind of like make profits and, and do all this other stuff and, and provide all kind of funding and whatnot. So you could sort of imagine a situation where he sort of uses the leverage of like my engineering knowledge, my my inventive knowledge and all this other stuff. You don't get these innovations, you don't get these patents without kind of acknowledging my sovereignty. I feel like he would sure. definitely pull some kind of strings to kind of get some some legitimacy there that that's somebody wouldn't get if they had like you know an average intellect right and i could see and i could definitely see him be even even in that situation which i i definitely agree because that that's kind of how it works already in, in latveria mm-hmm. in the comics where it's in europe but obviously staging that from what what many but definitely fox news americans would consider to be uh <laughs> you know american soil would be would still be a tough nut to crack but i think yeah. if it's on like disputed yeah. land if it is kind of disputed land between the us and canada and then and then it's kind of like multinational treaty would then fall under international law and then mm-hmm. he would be able to use his un sway 
um, you know, then he would be able to use, use the UN sway to get worldwide sovereignty for Liberia. And it would fall within, the, you know, a lot of the, because um, if I recall, the the normal or sorry the, the mainstream kind of doom story is that he's you know he leaves the country and then he kind of comes back and stages mm -hmm. a revolution to you know to take the power and he's you know he's beloved by his people like and one yeah. of the things that makes him beloved by it i mean you know he's beloved by most people and then the others others he has murdered brutally you know i mean it's, 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 i'd love i'd love to see canadian first nations victor von doom team up with shaman from alpha flight mm. because they're both magic users it would be interesting yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it sort of, it's also going to be interesting, you know, since you've got Native American Doom and Native American Tony Stark, you know, the, the uh, sort of rivalry um, between one who's just so plugged into the American military industrial complex, even though he tries not to be, um, yeah. and then someone who is like all about like his people's sovereignty and, and that kind of, um, you know, rebellious aspect of him. Yeah, so. yeah, and I just before we get off of Doom, I just wanted to say, uh, him having that ability to fight for the sovereignty of the nation also correlates to the high chief power of a particular tribe and mm -hmm. the Bureau of Indian Affairs that oversee the rights and welfare of their people. Mm -hmm. And also, um, he would also just represent this high chief order within the Native American system as well. Okay, now you see, now you're really leaning into why we got to see some designs for the new armor. Yeah. You know, like oh, we yeah. got to, we, we have to find, like, you got to get with one of our artists, like one of the, the fan art people that we got, like, because we really, we, we, I want to see some, some cool, I want to see some cool redesigns of the Doom armor, um, mm -hmm. taking into oh, yeah. account those, those Native American motifs. Yes, and one last thing. Sure. I also wanted to have the, the Native American village also be a part of the push um, that was the Trail of Tears that kind of pushed Native Americans from their reservations, from, from their original reservations that the mm -hmm. U.S. pushed them towards. And um, during the Trail of Tears, they pushed them east. So I think it makes sense for them to go east and go, uh, I guess you would go north, northeast. If hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I think that yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it could work for sure. Mm. Sounds cool. Yeah, you could say like the original people who like, you know, settled Latveria, whatever you want to call Latveria, you know, you could even have, I mean, I, again, I don't know my Canadian history, you know, but you could also say that they were, you know, they came from both, both, they got pushed from both ends, you know, mm -hmm. to, to Latveria. Which which contribute which would contribute to the whole disputed land you know um, idea. Yeah, but let's change gears for a little bit and let's talk about some of our quick you know we'll run quickly through uh, some of our nerd news before we get back into racial draft business. Uh, we got to start with the the biggest story. Not really, but you know we'll pretend <laughs> we'll pretend it's a big story. Uh, box office champion Michael Morbis takes a bite out of the competition. Um, a thirty-nine, a very million... very small bite. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a uh, thirty-nine million dollar bite. Um, look forward to next week's story about how uh, much of the box office drops uh, from week one to week two. But but this week, Michael Morbius on top, which means bonus points for Ooh. Michael Morbius. 
um, in addition to in addition to his bonus points from appearing in the movie. So, um, just, I guess it still falls under racial draft business. Oops. Yeah. Let's put some <laughs> racial draft immediately. Goes right back to racial draft. <laughs> but uh, I guess this puts us at week six. I believe that's. I should have dated these things. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm just. I'm just so highly amused at. Oh no, week like, seven. That the fact that even though he had a movie coming out, like the the bidding for him was so dry. <laughs> <laughs> Who got him? Who has Morbius? I uh, have the, no idea. <laughs> the East, the East Southeast Asian delegation has Morbius. They yes, just for six dollars. <laughs> so they they got themselves ten bonus points for him appearing in the movie. And uh, we'll give him. We'll give him. Did anybody see the movie? I saw the movie. How's Matt I... Smith in it? Because that's the whole reason I want to go. Um. Hmm. What's a non-spoiler way of of explaining? Oh, uh, I already. I already know what happened in the movie. So. Oh uh, yeah, Matt Smith was fine. Matt Smith was fine. He needs a gun fucking agent. Joins Game of Thrones like two years after it went to shit, and then joins Morbius of all the superhero movies. Oh, don't forget that he was he also part of uh, in that really terrible Terminator movie. Too. That's right. He was also in Terminator <laughs> Genesis. Matt Smith's Matt. agent. You need to go. You need to get in that time machine, Matt Smith, and go back in time and fix some of your career choices. Yeah, and wasn't he? Hasn't he been rumored for a Star Wars movie for the longest time? And and yet, I've, and yet I've he, seen that. Yeah, you know, he's whoever his agent is that that, that keeps putting <laughs> out the putting out the Matt Smith for Star Wars um, needs to knock off the agent that's actually booking him and things. Because I mean, uh, like the the most the most kind of like pleasant role he's had, I guess, in the last couple of years is like. The racist guy in that that African immigrant movie. Um, yeah, where house. he's like shirtless <laughs> and shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. was- when your claim to fame is that you're playing a racist, uh, <laughs> you may want to reevaluate your career choices. Oh, reevaluate God. everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it for Morbius. Uh, see it if you want. Maybe don't pay for it. All right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of movie news, we got a little bit of casting news uh, where a woman, uh, an actress who was in a DC movie many, many years ago playing mm-hmm. a villain will have the opportunity to play a villain in a brand new DC movie, that movie being Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. That's right. Shannon, Sharon Stone's back. And I, I'm refusing to make any basic instinct puns, but... Uh, you what know, DC movie was she in before? She was in Catwoman. Catwoman. Yeah. Woman. Yeah, she was the villain in Catwoman. Um, which I did. I think her, yeah, I don't remember her character's name because I didn't see the movie. But hopefully, you know, hopefully she'll redeem herself. And I mean, I, I saw the movie and I don't remember her name. I'm, I'm trying to remember it. I, I remember the name of the company, which was Buling, because I remember thinking that. It sounds terrible, like a type of gasoline, but it's like a makeup product. Ooh, yeah, that's I, it. Almost sounds like butane, um, right? <laughs> ooh, that's rough. 
Well, she's going to be playing Victoria Cord, who is a character created specifically for the movie. Um, we don't know if that means her that she's uh, Ted Cord's sister or his wife or or what, you know. Mm-hmm. But Victoria Cord. So uh, also before we get off of it, her name was Laurel Hader. Oh, Hader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. That doesn't sound um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe she'll find her way into some alien technology and uh, fight and fight our blue beetle. What if instead of having Ted Cord, they're just going to completely gender swap him? No, no, no. She's definitely going to. She's definitely playing a villainous character, though. So that's why. I, well, Ted Cord to be what's more what's more villainous than a white man going? Whoa! I don't want that kid. With my legacy. Oh, they're saying she's expected uh, you know, to be the wife. She's expected I, to be I, the wife of Ted Cord. I, yeah. I don't think that there would be a, a, a level of audio high enough to capture the laugh that I would laugh if that happened. But, but I was going to say, I was going to say, Sean, what's more villainous than uh, being the white man who's like, I don't want you uh, having my legacy? Uh, the girl boss. The, <laughs> yes. The, the right Karen Cord, <laughs> who is like, I'd like you are appropriating the cord technology, and I'm gonna speak to a manager about this. Uh I am we stole that alien technology fair and square. Exactly. That's that feels that feels right. That feels that feels like 2020. Or, or 2020 the uh, part two <laughs> whatever 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 year we're in that feels that feels like that feels like the right right uh tone i was about to say that it feels like the right chord <laughs> but i didn't um <laughs> oh so we we're, I guess we're going to stay in the in the DC realm. We're going to talk about um, the Gotham Knights CW show, which eh, is it is it no, canon? I'm so fucking I'm so excited for this shit. I are you I mean, stars of the Bat Family, the TV show. I mean, I mean, canon. What really is canon? Like, I mean, we're talking about like canon for the CW. We're talking about canon for the DCEU. Like, what is does Warner Brothers and them really know what canon is? We don't, canon. Eh, it's overrated. They're just making projects at this point. I think they're just making content. It feels like what Fox was doing um, in the later end before they sold. And it's mm-hmm. kind of sad to say that at, at some point, I, I feel like they're going to sell DC by the end of, of 2020, um, of the 2020s, per se. I, see, I, I just I, don't I see, see I it don't. lasting. You see, I don't because it's still valuable IP. You know, yeah, they yeah. like no. There's nobody short of Amazon who could really afford the IP, and mm-hmm. Amazon just you know they have bigger plans of world domination. I don't think they, <laughs> I don't think they they need DC. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but we'll see. I, I mean, mean we'll, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's just a very like. I, I honestly, I, I, I laud you, Toriano, for having like kind of confidence in them to, to imagine that they actually have some plan. Um, I feel like there's like they, they kind of have an idea of what they want the goal to be, which is like 
the equivalent of that that sort of crackpot cousin that comes up to you and is like, hey, I know a scheme that can make us a lot of money. We should buy this, that, and the other. And then step two is like question marks. And then step three is that we're rich. And, and so, yeah, that's like we, we kind of, we know that they want to have the profitable thing, but at this point, it doesn't feel like they're really doing much more than just kind of throwing stuff and seeing what sticks. But dude, yeah. honestly, like as much as we try to fight it, it really does seem like their plan is to have no plan. I mean, it really does seem like what they want to do is they've got like thousands and thousands of characters and they're and anytime somebody comes to them and says, hey, we'd like to do a project. They just like grab a character and like, all right, you know, take these characters, throw a couple back characters in there, you know, just for fun. And uh, and, you know, we'll just make money off of they're not really trying to put anything grander and broader together than that. I think they're just going project I by mean, project if, with, the, if, with the rights that they have. I mean, it, is it really like the best way to go if if your company motto is taking after like Heath Ledger's Joker? Like, I mean, that that's it's giving like, do I look like somebody with the plant? Like, I mean, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back now. <laughs> so I think the CW does have a plan, and I'm gonna give some evidence to support it. They just mm -hmm. copy Marvel. Like, think about it. When did Crisis on Infinite Earth happen? Around the time of Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. like right now, Marvel is going small again, right? Because they peaked. And I think the CW is doing that. But the thing that fucks them now is Marvel's gone into television, and the CW is like. Well, we were we were already doing that. What do we do now? <laughs> well, yeah. no, I mean the other thing, the other thing that that fucks CW is that they're going to be sold, right? You know, when CW was partly owned by WB or mm -hmm. or Warner, you know, or Warner Media, they had an interest to make that have a pipeline um, of product into the CW, and you know, it was, it was mutually beneficial. Even though CW didn't make doesn't make a lot of money, just being able to like have that 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 brand of the DC content Arrowverse. Listen, I, you know, the Arrowverse has its charms. And I, mm -hmm. I and I do think that they had more of a, like the Arrowverse had better executed plan for a cohesive uni universe than the movie side did. Yeah. Yep. You know? Oh yeah. Um, so but but, but, they, but they, they peaked. Yeah, they, they peaked. definitely peaked. You know, they've got a couple good shows still remaining, but I think they're gonna wean themselves off of off of the Arrowverse. I mean, this is this clearly is not set in the Arrowverse. Uh, Naomi's not set in the Arrowverse. You know, I think they're they're I think they're just going to revert back to you know we're just going to sell these shows with these DC, with the DCIP, and mm -hmm. you know and and maybe they'll give it a go if they do try to put together some kind of connected universe. It'll be on HBO Max, you know, um, but not not in CW anymore. I think they're they're out. Yeah, so if I could say anything about HBO Max, if I could say anything about HBO Max, I hope they build around Titans with better writing. I think that would be the smartest thing for them to do because I think that's the biggest pull for them right now. Even though it's a controversial pull because you have people that love it, you have people that hate it. Uh, for me personally, I enjoy it. I wouldn't say that's my favorite thing on television, but I think that would be the best thing for them to build around just because they have strong casting. I think the biggest thing that they can improve on would be their writing. It's mm -hmm. good direction. There's good cinematography. There's good. There's a good cast. Yeah. But if they just had better writing and were able to build around it from Titans, I think they'd be phenomenal. 
Um, yeah, Titans has its has its good and its bad, but and like you said, that there are some people who hate it, and you know, I haven't met anyone who loves it, but I'm sure that those people are out there. Um, but but I do think that Titans falls victim to the this is set within a universe that they try to make the universe feel lived in, but it doesn't really connect to anything else. Um, so yeah. it's gonna run. It's gonna run into that DC problem of whenever they, whenever the movies want to want to use their character, they'll swoop in and basically tell them, you know, to chill. On, on I mean, on. I, I, I kind of am of two minds on Titans because it it feels to me like yes i'm happy that it's able to kind of stand on its own and not really be kind of hampered down by other things but at the same time i'm thinking of how much more effort probably would have been put into it if it had been you know characters who actually were tied to the wider dceu and like had like you know had had that been the the tv project mm -hmm. for the dceu before we got a, a peacemaker you know, right. like, I mean, it, it just sucks because, you know, I, I want to have, you know, the, the connection there and, and as far as like, you know, Doom Patrol and, and stuff like that, you know, though, you know, obviously Doom Patrol doesn't have to connect quite as hard, but I don't know. It's, it's just, you, you, you want to be able to give the writers and the directors the kind of free, you know, room to roam and, and make of their story what they will, but making it so disconnected and then also making it disconnected from the CW as well is like it it just I don't know it feels like it adversely kind of affected the show and you mm -hmm. know just because like I, I don't know it felt like they were like kind of um almost putting an effort to kind of make it such that it could not really fit with anything else and, and it's one like they have five different audiences. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very like I don't know that they, they the the tone and all of that stuff is just you know if it were to be over on the CW you would have to edit it for like language and violence and mm -hmm. nudity and stuff and if it was to be tied to the DCEU we have to be like well which DCEU? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but, but one thing that I mean, and, and you know, I, I may have to hit the ether music if we go on any, any longer. Um, but like, one thing that that it makes it, it that exacerbates the problem is that everything's on HBO Max now. They just put out yeah. a promo thing, which I will not play here. Um, you know, talking about how the home of DC is HBO Max. You know, yeah. a, they put out a promo thing today, and it was it was well, you know, it was well produced. But then it got you, it gets you thinking. None of these projects are connected to each other right you know, none of them. the only thing that they have going for them is that they're 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 dc projects and putting them all under one roof makes you see how disconnected they are from one another and, and, <laughs> you know in contrast with what marvel's got going on in disney plus where well, you well but it, it also sorry to cut you off but mm -hmm. it, it also gives the room to not just see that they're disconnected narratively but disconnected in terms of quality too Right. And it's like, like yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, how like Marvel, you know, when you finish, you know, when you finish uh, Hawkeye, it, it directs you to uh, Black Widow. 
you know, mm -hmm. so that you can see more adventures from Yelena Belova. It's like, what, yeah. what's going to happen? It's like, you know, watch, uh, you're going to watch Titans and it's going to direct you to the Batman. That's not going to work. <laughs> so it's going direct to direct you to that one episode of CW Crisis on Infinite Earth where the Titans universe gets wiped out. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, like I always say, it's not slander when it's true, but I guess we should stop the DC slander uh, and move on to a different universe. Actually, wait, one more legitimate oh, DC but wait, slander. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> one more legitimate DC slander. DC is going to sell uh, NFTs. Uh, yes, they're making, Yo. they're selling Batman NFTs. Uh, of course, Batman NFTs. What, what else? Of course, Batman. <laughs> um they are making 60 million off these uh off these nfts so uh you know the the rich keep getting richer when it comes to bruce wayne yeah i, I don't really understand the nft process um especially when you know we've seen even we've even seen athletes do these nfts make the money that they make off of them and pull them you know it's, it just seems like a big ponzi scheme to me um, and I, I wouldn't understand why a company like Warner Brothers would have to do a Ponzi scheme. I, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, really... I mean, this is this isn't our you know this, this isn't like super lefty podcast, so we won't get all the way into <laughs> why a big company might want to get involved in a Ponzi it, scheme. It feels less. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels less like having to or like needing to, and more like kind of keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like you don't you don't do need like there's you don't a, need to do this. Yeah, I mean you have like you have the designer thing, which everybody's talking about, whether positively or negatively. They are a thing that you can like. They're they're constantly in kind of our current zeitgeist, and so you know, sure, if we can make some extra money off of it, then why the heck not? But you know, mm -hmm. more kind of Batman content <laughs> is pushed mm -hmm. out into the ether in the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, stick a little jab in there. Uh, 60 million. Uh, more money than Morbius made this weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, at least one Batman remains <laughs> successful, even if the other one isn't quite where he should be. Exactly. But let's <laughs> so let's jump over the divide, the, um, the multiversal divide, and let's talk about... Um, Ironheart. There was a casting report that they are introducing a um, transgender character uh, with an actual speaking role um, in in Ironheart, and she will be the you know she will be confirmed as uh, as transgender. Uh, she will be e either Black, Latina, or Afro Latina. So like you know. Chocolate peanut butter. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but um, we don't we don't really have an, a lot of information about the role yet because uh, the character hasn't been cast. Um, hopefully, we'll find out. Um, I think that there was, I think that one of the the pieces of what was being um, what they were looking for with the character. Uh, this is the quote: "The character will be smart." confident and with a mystical bent and a unique sense of humor so um you know i wouldn't say magical negro but you know, um but you know i mean well i mean it's, it's, it's very interesting i i, I will say it's very, 
they are adding this character because I mean, there's nobody in Ironheart's, you know, uh, cast of characters nowhere in her little peanuts gallery that sort of matches that description at all. And well, I mean, well, part of it is that we we don't know that much about what this story is going to be. Um, um, we think it's going to be set mostly at MIT, but so little of her story generally takes place at MIT. Yeah. So I think they're I think they're really on in a whole bunch of uncharted waters as far as pulling from the lore. Um, one big rumor that's been swirling, at least in the circles that I, that I run in, is that the is that Parker Robbins, uh, aka the Hood, is going to play a role in the series. Now he's fully, huh. you know, magical and and not tech based at all. So um, that there yeah. were some some rumors that he might be who Anthony Ramos might be playing, but you know, it's still it's still <clears throat> in the rumor in the rumor zone. But. That uh, that that kind of makes me think about how um, in in uh, I want to say uh, I believe it was uh, dang it is either Sherry or Ironheart I'm pretty sure it's Ironheart but um, in in like the last yeah it, yeah I believe it was Ironheart but it was like the last sort of arc of of the comic was their team up between Shuri. Um, Ironheart, Okoye, and and um, Silhouette from the New mm -hmm. Warriors, and it was like they went up against like this mystical kind of cult that, like, basically, really, she thought that her father had died in like this tragic accident, and mm -hmm. actually, he kind of faked his death and like was a part of this this mystic group. And so, okay, sure, let's dive into that. That sounds lovely. I I would love to. I mean, because it would be very easy for us as like you know um just you know i guess people who, who generally read comics we sort of know that certain heroes kind of get certain villains you know if you're an aquatic character you get aquatic villains if you're a cosmic character you get space oriented villains and if you are a tech-based character you get these kind of technological adversaries so to have her like instead sort of contending against this mystical although world i mean if we think about it though in um you know if we think about iron man you know one of iron man's top antagonists is uh you know who's generally historically had been the mandarin who's very much a mystical villain you know yeah but i'm saying even even in recent years they kind of tried to like um meld the two like where it was some mm -hmm. you know magic or mysticism involved but it was still kind of like you know some uh, technological kind of leaning that there was some uh combination of the two Fair and so like you know and and you know as far as the comics have kind of uh moved away from sort of keeping as like oh you're a dark mirror half or whatever in terms of the antagonist uh the movies kind of haven't so yeah. it, it's nice to see that sort of translate now to to what we're seeing in the live action well you did kind of step on my transition because i was really going to make the transition from uh mandarin and his 10 rings to the mcu's uh in interpretation of the character uh because the mystical 10 rings are coming to comics uh the 10 rings of the shang chi and the Ten Rings movie will be uh, will be made canon this summer. 
I am here for it. Because, I mean, we <laughs> had the, the, the 10 rings as far as, like, the finger rings, but, you know, those uh, those those arm brands, the arm bands is, is hitting. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, that's some serious jewelry. That's yeah. right. And this it just raises the stakes on uh, what's what's happening later on the show, um, because, you know, noted noted Asian superhero Shang-Chi <laughs> purportedly purportedly acquired by the Native American delegation. And we are going to have our first ever challenge. Uh, so the challenge is a new thing that we introduced in the, in the current season um, where, whereby a delegation who loses a character uh, can attempt to make the case that this uh, character cannot <laughs> be uh, mm-hmm. changed without doing uh, without doing damage to the, to the character on an elemental on an elemental level, and uh, you, mm. the listeners, you you the people, will decide whether the uh, challenge case is made. Um, Toriano was nice enough to, to 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 hear it out and try to defend Native American Shang Chi. Now, from a pure cultural standpoint, Shang-Chi, uh, we, we saw how big it, big it was for both uh, Asian, uh, particularly for Asian Americans uh, in this country, but also for, um, you know, Asian people across the diaspora. Obviously, he's a Chinese character and the movie was never released in China. So that's a that's a little bit of a mark against it, <laughs> but yeah. uh, he has roots. He has roots in at least American um, understandings of Chinese culture. Uh, he is a master of kung fu. It's pretty much part of his his whole ethos. He was born and raised in China. Uh, his father was a long-standing uh, mystical figure uh, who, at one point, had been um, from literature. Uh, they they had to retcon that later for copyright issues, but you know this, this is we're talking about and for a, racism issues. <laughs> no, no, no. The, um, the 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 fact that he was uh, Fu Manchu at one point, you know, and they didn't have the rights to Fu Manchu meant that they had to retcon that particular aspect away. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but 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 again, the the fact that his father is at least in the current canon. Uh, still understood to be a an ancient uh, Chinese mystic who uh, has empire extends across the the, the country and the region, uh, which is still you know Wen Wu in the movie uh, still maintained elements of that, and of course he had the ten rings uh, as as part of his you know the package, um, and then you have his firstborn son who's supposed to carry on his legacy and he rebels against his father's legacy and um you know there's a lot of i would say especially how the movie the movie uh deals with those issues of um you know wanting to break away from familiar trends and uh, and go your own you know go a different way um i would say it touches on many themes that are found in asian and asian american cinema um, yeah. You know, it's a multi-generational uh, Chinese uh, dynastic story, and uh, it's going to be hard, <laughs> going to be hard to transpose that 
into uh, Native American culture. Yeah. Should I go ahead and begin making my case? Yeah. All right. So first off, I want to start off by giving my visual representation. Um, My visual representation is Boo Boo Stewart, who is of Native American and of East slash Southeast Asian descent. Um, And second of all, I want to go into the history of Native Americans. Um, If you don't know, Alaska Native Americans and uh, North American Native Americans are of East slash Southeast Asian descent. So I'm also trying to stick um, from a geographical standpoint and a historical standpoint, making sense of the character still having that root ancestry. But I also wanted to make keep his father of East and Southeast Asian descent. So I'm sort of making him biracial to a point, mm, that's, but that's, also, but you see, but you but you see, you're not the multiracial <laughs> delegation. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> to keep his father, so I, from a from a bloodline standpoint, he's still somewhat Southeast Asian and East Asian, um, but his mother is Native American, so I kind of wanted to have that tie um, for him to represent Native American as well. Um, because myself, I'm mixed as well, so I kind of wanted to have, I haven't really had the opportunity to do that with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of saw Shang-Chi to be able to not merely just appropriate him because I understand how important he is to the Asian community. Um, so I didn't want to appropriate him. I also wanted to make sense from a historical standpoint because if I made him strictly Native American, I could tie it strictly to the ancestry of Native Americans being East slash Southeast Asian. Um, but also I wanted to have Win Wu stay strict to his character as well. Yeah. Um, so in this instance, I made his mother Native American. Um, this gives us the opportunity to explore East slash Southeast Asian, um, mm-hmm. their heritage, um, the mystical side of what we see with Win Wu, um, mm-hmm. to explore the creatures like Fing Fang Foom, um, as well as, you know, possibly explore the lore of Native Americans um, to, to so- use creatures... So Randy, Randy, you've been reading the current um, Shang-Chi run, right? Mm-hmm. They, they've so they've brought Talo into the comic canon now, right? Um, yep. I believe so. That at least I, I think I'm an issue or two behind. I, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so his mother is from Talo, like in the movies. So mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned, you could definitely have his her mother be Native American and have Talo be kind of you know instead of uh, asian influenced um be native american influenced well honestly i think that like i mean because because when i was uh imagining kind of you know i, I didn't really go into detail in terms of when i had shang chi last uh, season mm-hmm. but when i was imagining the character um he's obviously black in our delegation so i was like well maybe there's something along the way of uh, in, in terms of this this uh, Jing Zhu or Wen Wu character, this uh, you know I don't I kind of don't even feel comfortable calling him the Mandarin now, but you know just that character being um, of the sort who would sort of take in like you know I guess wayward kids or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and you know, not necessarily being directly. Of so you had him be. Line. So you had him be adopted, like. Yeah, not not necessarily of his bloodline, but you could still be like, okay, well, he's my son because I'm basically the one who raises him. 
Interesting. And so mm -hmm. you, you would still have him learning the language, learning the martial arts, kind of being in, in, ingratiated and in, in like immersed in the culture. Mm. But it's not just the same of like, oh, we're just, you know, um, you know it's, it's not quite the same as just like, you know, regular parents. It's like, no, we're actually going to have him be in, in this mystical culture that is derived from Asian mysticism. And so I feel like that that would be an interesting route to go. And even um, just hearing you uh, elaborate now, Toriano, I, I feel like it would be kind of interesting to have maybe, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I just feel like there, there should be something in there as like, uh, I guess, a, a strategy on, um, on, on Wen Wu's part or, you know, Jin Zhu's part. His, his name is different in the comics. But basically, that the character's part would be a, sort of a strategy. If, you know, if if he is directly the father of Shang Chi, you could have him maybe kind of take after his mother, so that you wouldn't be able to be like, oh, he, you know, has kind of the the mystical energy of his father, or oh, he has some kind of like, you know, because because he's sort of thinking on a different level. He's not thinking on quite the same like, just. Um, having kids, he, he's thinking of like how he can use them strategically and, mm -hmm. and make them into his personal, you know, weapon servant and just kind of thinking of them in that term. Yeah, interesting. So maybe interesting. something about his, his heritage could be like, well, we just kind of have him reflect his native heritage rather than looking like, you know, he could be related to this other man over here. You just, I don't know. It's, it's just something that kind of got my, my mind thinking of like, you know what what would that family dynamic be like and and you know how could you sort of um square that circle of like you know the the cultural uh commonalities and also where they would diverge yeah i hear that and 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 it would be an interesting it would be an interesting take on the character but it's still you know we're we're still sort of stuck in the realm of kind of where the character exists mm -hmm. um where the character exists today, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as also, sorry guys, um, where he exists today is that he, um, you know, spends a lot of time around Asian Americans, you know, spends a lot of time in yeah. Chinatown, um, is very kind of, you know, he has, he's now the head of the, what's the name of the organization that he runs now in, mm -hmm. um, or order of the like the five of the five the, the five weapons society or something. Yes, like the that. five weapons society. You know, which is also a um, you know, it's also a um, you know, organization with roots that go all the way back to ancient China. You know, mm -hmm. it's still like it, it's it's really hard to to sort of separate separate the fact that this is like a dynastic. Uh, a, a dynastic story and it involves you know basically an heir well, who, who turns down his his family yeah um, but, you but know. at the same time i i slightly nudge back in mm. in regards to the fact of like even though it is a heavily asian centered uh society is also um one that is like based around the world mm -hmm. They have, you know, because like I think Esme, like you know, one of the sisters is her name is Esme. Everybody else has like kind of Asian names, and you know, 
his brother is Takeshi and, and, you know, so obviously that's a Japanese name and brother, sister, Esme, and like, you know, so they have kind of, even though they are Asian, you could kind of imagine, at least I can, that there's, you know, he, he has roots kind of everywhere. And, and yeah. it has a, it has a parallel to, um, to the, the Atlas Foundation, which is like another one of those sort of dynastic um, orders in Marvel Comics, which has roots kind of everywhere. And it's like, it is sort of secretly is, has a foothold all across the world. So it's possible, mm-hmm. or maybe he is kind of like the standout there who, you know, is, is the Native American character among all these other East and Southeast Asian characters, but it, it doesn't seem as far-fetched as it once would have. Yeah, and I also, to add on to that, I also think um, making him Native American in this sense would also allow us to educate people about the Native Americans being of East, Southeast uh, Asian descent as well. So also giving it how you speak on it being dynastic groups, it would also draw back to the history of them traveling to North America as well, mm-hmm. giving that connection between um, dynamics and of dynasties from them translating over to North America, but also having roots in East and Southeast Asia. But okay, I mean, I mean that's true, sort of like genetically. But what about culturally? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I I would say there that uh, Song Chi has kind of a, a difficulty navigating that anyway, and you know he, that's kind of like one of the main threads that we sort of see is constantly being teased out in this new title is that. Yes, he he um he's kind of getting the side eye from the Avengers and whatnot because you know they're like, okay, ooh, he's running this new order. I don't really know what what they're up to, and and they you know they question his motives and they kind of catch him in these compromising situations. But at the same time, he turns back around his family and they're like, you changed. You're you're very like you're very Americanized. You're very kind of like you're you're too. Um, mm-hmm. you're chummy with these other folks who are like outsiders and you should be more loyal to us and you should have more of that kind of understanding and respect for our culture and so and one might say that that's a one might say that that's a dilemma that many asian americans uh find resonant you know the idea that they're still looked at as outsiders um by you know white americans or by mainstream americans but then they're thought to be, you know, turn turning their back on tradition and turning their back on, on culture um, from their home, you know, from the family members I, 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 that are still in those countries. I mean, yes. I, I can't speak for the native delegation, but I will say that I have kind of noticed some some uh, some whisperings here and there that that run a similar vein uh, among native people too. Yes, you know, I was just the- about to elaborate on that. I I I see the floor to you because you have more experience with that obviously than I would. Yeah, I, I would just say that it's very um there's been a lot of detriment to the Native American community. Um just from the fact that, you know, they can't get the resources that they need on their reservations, um, poor communication, um, poor uh poor communities in a sense. Um it's felt like they've had the the cold shoulder against them um in this country. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just you could elaborate on that as well within the comics and be able to establish that as a part of his culture, um, as also with him conflicting between his two um, his two ethnics, um, his two ethnicities, I would say. 
um, and just being able to explore that as well. Um, but I would just say that, you know, you could talk about that the same way about the Asian culture. You could say the same thing for the Native American culture. Uh, a lot of, I, I feel like of, of the delegations that could possibly have gotten Shang-Chi, I, I feel like the Native delegate, like the only two that I could feel like would really be able to truly resonate with that, or, or I guess three would be um, the, the, the South Asian delegation, obviously, or the, the Polynesian delegation or the Native delegation, because it's like, you know, that you do kind of struggle with the, the can I fit in with my, you know, can I keep my own roots, but can I also sort of navigate this world that is outside of my, my you know, personal circle? And I, I feel like that would really fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we are obviously, you know, going to leave it up to the people to mm-hmm. decide. Uh, we will put, you know, after uh, we finish recording, we're going to, we'll, we'll put the poll out for, to decide one way or the other, whether the East Southeast Asian delegation will succeed in their challenge and uh, repossess, <laughs> repossess <laughs> Shang-Chi. Um, so stay tuned till next week to find out how, how things, how things go. Uh, we sort of buried the lead because we jumped right into the, into the, the, the challenge, but uh, yeah. Hey guys, Shang-Chi was drafted this week along with some other characters and we'll we'll let's we'll talk about it in the next segment. <laughs> so let's go let's get it started. So the week started off with uh the aforementioned Michael Morbius uh by the aforementioned East Southeast Asian delegation. Uh what what needs to be said? We we all saw the movie. We know who Michael Morbius is. He's a, you know, he's a scientist. I mean I, I read the comic that's enough. Well, he's he's and with the the hand suckers. Ah, the hand suckers. Uh, (laughs) Morbius, the living vampire, or Mike, as they as they uh, call him in uh, the Spider-Man books now. Um, Michael Morbius, scientist, living vampire, occasionally pops up in Spider-Man lore. Occasionally pops up in random places in the MC or in the Marvel universe, probably not a big point score uh, as far as FCL is concerned. Uh, Sean, what would you say? How would you say um, Michael Morbius is it in the FCL terms? Um, to be fair, I haven't been reading Amazing Spider-Man, so I don't mm-hmm. know if he's not, but he's not really showing up very many places. And like, I think at one point he had a mini announced and it got canceled. Well, he had a he had a mini that uh that Vita Ayala wrote, I believe, uh, a couple but years did ago. It finished? I think it did like I think it did like two issues and then just never returned. Oh, uh, I mean that might have been because of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean they they had a few issues. I think it was like maybe I'm, it may have been like closer to four or five, but I think I think that they ended the mini like they they uh, topped it off as a mini where it would have been probably longer. Fair. Well, I mean, I remember um, Morbius was the commissioner's choice. So uh, blame me, blame me for Morbius ending up on a team. Blame me for Morbius ending up on a team. Um, next, the, oh, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there was. Uh, where are we? Sorry, guys. What are the approval? <laughs> no. 
yeah it's like <laughs> were, were there no was there no approval rating here <laughs> is, this, is this what we're learning that that uh that nobody voted on the approval approval <laughs> all right you guys got to vamp for a second while i find it i i feel like i feel like this is going to be one of those that like heavily leans in one direction or the other i don't think this one is going to get a whole lot of engagement all right let's find out where we ended up in terms of approval rating i think there's still time to vote actually for the huh did it end yet or no sorry guys this is me live on the pod trying to uh trying to trying to get to where we need to there we go i found it so we have one day left one day left for to find out what the approval rating is, but it's currently sitting at 71.4% approval. Hmm. So one day to get that up above 90, see what happens, see what happens. Well, one thing I will say, um, without having seen the movie, um, I will say that the 90s comic um, aside from Vita Ayala's work, I would say that the 90s comic is probably the, the most kind of entertaining. I, there, was, there was one uh, little itty bitty uh, outing for Morbius where he went up against this like demonic creature called Hell Eyes. And that's like, you know, kind of has a little place in my heart. <laughs> it's, it's so delightfully weird. But I, I like the 90s uh, title in... Uh, it, it, maybe that's just me as a, a fairly new reader of, of comics, but uh, that one is worth checking out. I think you know he, yeah. he had the balance in terms of like trying to like he wants to be he he's a vampire, so obviously he has to suck blood, but he tries to be like, oh, I'm gonna only suck blood from like bad people to like you know let mm -hmm. it good come of that, and so that was a, a interesting uh, twist on on you know the vampire trope and all that. Yeah. And plus, I mean, because he's a science vampire, you know, mm -hmm. he spends a lot of time trying to cure himself. Um, yeah. And, and, and often, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll cure himself briefly and then, you know, it'll go horribly wrong and he'll become even yeah. more mutated, um, yeah. which is a direction that I think might've been uh, if they ever, if they decide to do more Morbius movies, um, that would be a, an interesting direction that they could take the character. Um, yes, yeah. you know, maybe maybe we'll get like maybe he's not awesome on his own, kind of like Iron Fist. But then when he gets with the group, like say if they bring him into a, a Night Stalker thing or Midnight Suns or whatever the group uh, occult mythical thing ends up being, maybe we might see an improvement in terms of like uh, portraying him as an interesting character because you know that is one thing that we don't really get. Um, in terms of like uh, seeing vampires in action is not, we don't typically get them in like, hey, they're on a team and they are like the good guys. So maybe that'll be something. I don't know. I, I mean, having read a couple of his runs, I think, mm -hmm. I think that his runs are, his solo runs do make sense because of how isolating like his, yeah. his experience is more so than, than maybe, maybe with maybe one friend as opposed to a full team. Well, no, I, um... I I mean, friend, I, I let me kind of sort of backtrack on that. Friend is rather strong. <laughs> he, he has other people with whom he 
collaborate <laughs> to basically um uh, i'm trying to think back if, if the reading was uh night stalkers but he he was trying to basically help um i, I believe it was part of a, a mystical circuit referred to as the nine which are supposed to be like kind of the guardians against sort of the the ultimate evil or whatever to kind of like you know hold that evil at bay and he's teaming up with i believe blade and like frank drake who's like a descendant of of uh, frank uh, of, of dracula and it, it's sort of like those characters like ghost rider Werewolf by night i think it's, it's a couple of mystical characters like that and you know he's there but blade is constantly like at him because he just like i don't even freak if you became a vampire through science you're still an abomination i want to kill you but okay fine we have to use you so like you, you get a reprieve for now yeah one one of the things that that, that came up when i was um and I've, i i promise we won't stretch out morbius any much longer than <laughs> that much longer <laughs> but uh one of the things that i saw when i was trying to find pictures um you know for for morbius is that there was a a, a a obscure, no, I, so I apologize. It probably is, it wasn't that obscure because the, the actor is pretty big deal in, in Korea, but there is a, a Korean movie that based on my reading of the synopsis, uh, sounded a lot like Morbius. Um, I don't have the name of the movie. I'll maybe add it to the show notes, but well, you know, it just it, it, goes to show that- movie? What, excuse me? No, I, I was saying, is it a recent movie or is it like something that was like decades ago? Not, I mean, a couple years ago, a couple years, mm. maybe 10, maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll track it down. But, it, you know, it just goes to show that he's a character that sort of lends, him, lends, lends himself easy, easily to, you know, race bending. He, he doesn't have to be a white man. Yeah. Mm. Um, moving on to a character that I think probably better fits as a white man, and that's Hank Pym. <laughs> he of he of the domestic abuse and the uh, uh complex and the complex that uh makes him want to change sizes um <laughs> but um the polynesian delegation decided they wanted to uh snag themselves a hank pym and uh they got themselves a hank pym um, they didn't get got giant man <laughs> what did you say they didn't get that man they got giant man yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, uh, and uh, we got a clarification. We got a clarification from Brian that uh, Ultron Pym, that uh, Ultron Pym does not technically count because mm -hmm. he is uh, he's more Ultron than Pym. Yeah, there was there was some kind of uh, dispute that essentially the the Ultron Pym was like Hank Pym had actually been like overwhelmed and it was really ultron like pretending to be hank you know partially hank pym pretending like he had some kind of part uh some semblance of hank pym's psyche left when really he had been utterly destroyed <laughs> that's that's sad so uh no points no points but it doesn't matter um i would say if, if we if we had a representative from a white delegation here i would probably guess that they'd be like yeah go ahead Go ahead, take take uh take one of our uh, one of our bad guys. Sean, you're a white guy. How do you feel about losing? How do you feel about losing Hank Pym? <laughs> I'm not sad to lose him, and I All actually right. like. 
There you go. So we'll, we'll go quickly through the approval rating. Uh, currently 70.5% approval. That Sorry, 70, 71.5% approval for, yeah. uh, for uh, Polynesian Hank Pym. Uh, we haven't heard any, any ideas about how uh, Polynesian culture will be infused into the character. But, um, you know, it's some, you know what they say about one man's trash is another man's treasure. So I, you like it. I love it. Polynesian delegation. I mean, he, <laughs> he does have a thing that is coming up for the, the, I think it's the 50th or 60th anniversary. I think it's the 60th anniversary of um, Ant-Man or, or, of, you know, he does have something coming up and, you know, I, I won't get too much into detail in terms of like my kind of uh, conflicted feelings about Hank Pym, but um, I, I will say at least I'm happy that uh, he, he is uh, not getting quite uh, as, as shabby a portrayal in, in live action as he has for years in the comics. I'm, I'm happy they're, they're kind of trying to reconcile that. All right. Mm -hmm. So maybe, yeah. So maybe the uh, rehabilitation uh, in our minds will happen while he's a little bit, little, you got a little bit of brown skin rather than the white man redemption that we're we're so used to. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, let's move on to another white man uh, traditionally, but he's been turned into less of a white savior and more of a. <laughs> Brown savior, I guess. Sure. Um, Danny Rand, <laughs> South Asian Danny Rand, Indian Danny Rand, uh, the Rand Corporation um, worldwide, uh, both in America and in India. He's a very privileged man who lands in Kung Lung and uh, develops uh, his martial arts, turns to a living weapon. And that one of those weapons is the ability to fist. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry fist of fire sorry burning fists <laughs> get that checked out <laughs> yeah, that might have been a little worse <laughs> so uh burning i i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that Oh, no, I mean, no. you know, the immortal <laughs> iron fist. I mean, so much has been said about how, uh, you know, his character is a collection of tropes of uh, mm -hmm. appropriation, saviorism. Uh, obviously, we we do like his dynamic uh, with Luke Cage that comes straight out of a 80s, um, you know, buddy cop movie. Um, but who's to say? I mean, you know, South Asian iron fist can still have a, a cool dynamic with Luke um they can trade inappropriate jokes and he can still be <laughs> like i said you know he can still be privileged and rich and he can yeah. still have pretty light skin because you can have light skin and, and be indian um so yeah i think it works uh what do you guys think i love it. i love the concept I yeah love it. i mean it, it's very um like i'm i'm kind of imagining the guy who played um davos on Iron Fist now playing Danny Rand. I mean, that would be awesome. It, it's Melvin, mm. and I, I enjoy this very much. I don't know why, but I imagine Dave Patel. 
Hmm. I don't know why, but I just I just imagine Dev Patel playing him. I think he'd be perfect for it, honestly. I don't know. I just see I just see him portraying a, a, a an aristocrat Danny Rand from India. Okay. I could definitely see it. Interesting. I think it worked. I mean, you know, this is listen, fan artists, listeners, if you want to tr- test out your different visions for what you think South Asian Danny Rand would look like, have at it, you know, tag us. We will definitely signal boost. And, uh, you know, there'll be some bonus points in the offing for the South Asian delegation. You know, they'll, they'll take it. They'll take those points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they'll take uh, those points immediately. Uh, currently, uh, with, uh, with one day left uh, for um, in the polling, they are currently sitting at 80, 85.7% approval rating. So, they can get up above 90 some some uh, bonus points coming but uh another character that was picked up this week um i guess it's only fitting that this character was picked up the same week as michael morbius uh venom was uh added and he did not make an appearance in the morbius movie sorry spoilers um but he was he was us uh, picked up by the uh, multiracial delegation. Uh, I believe he is a mixed of white and Asian, uh, probably because I believe, actually white and Japanese uh, because of the tentacles. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's, that's Eddie Brock. Um, Eddie Brock, uh, you guys all know what Dean Kane looks like, right? He's, you know, he's, he's white and Asian, but you know, see, I okay, fine. As a visual reference, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't look, I didn't say he was, we, 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 we don't respect Dean Kane here. Um, yeah. but I'm just saying, as far as, <laughs> as far as, some, you know, listen, to be fair, Eddie Brock did not start out as a hero, he's kind of started out as a douchebag. So, you know, I mean, just... yeah, but okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I'll leave it. I mean, you got to have a look, you, you probably have to have a little bit of white privilege just to, 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 to uh, get your redemption arc as Venom, you know, for being <laughs> honest, for being honest, you know, so that's all I'm it's saying. It's culture, Eddie. <laughs> 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 oh, oh gosh oh that's just, perfect just that's so perfect. so many so many bad hot takes <laughs> <laughs> oh no right wing right wing venom symbiote <laughs> I am any friend. <laughs> that's right you can be as yeah that's perfect you can be his black friend <laughs> Oh, I, oh man, we just we just turned we just turned Venom into a right wing hero who's going to be on Fox <laughs> News, you know. <laughs> He's misunderstood. He's misunderstood. <laughs> yep. So we're currently with the approval rating sitting at seventy one point four, with a, also a day left. Uh, I don't know if you're going to make it to ninety, Venom. But, I will uh, do all of my power to be sure he does not. <laughs> First off, you took Venom or you took Eddie Brock? Oh, sorry. Uh, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock for the most version. Eddie Brock is the king in black. Uh, yeah, he is the king in black. I forgot that's his, that's his oh, official that's, title. 
Well, he's multiracial. He's multiracial, multiracial king of black. I meant, I meant in the Marvel comics. And stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm sure no. I mean, I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure there's been many a person on an interracial dating site calling himself the king in black. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you wouldn't be the first. You wouldn't be the first. Um, <laughs> once you go black suit, you never go back suit. It's what I hear. Um, <laughs> Um, speaking of bad transitions, uh, the, (laughs) (laughs) the next character that got drafted this week was Sue Storm, the invisible woman. Um, and she was acquired by the East Southeast Asian delegation. Uh, not the first time that the, uh, East Asian delegation has reimagined Sue Storm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there, we even got some cosplay of uh of sue storm by yaya han um so it's easy easy visual and um you know like obviously there's some there's there's a lot of cultural things that could be unpacked by Uh a uh by an asian woman who can make herself invisible um there's there's that element but she's pretty much you know the the under under the radar powerhouse uh, of the Fantastic Four, not to yep. be not to be trifled with. So great pickup, for, uh, Sean. From a from a uh, FCL perspective, what are we looking at from Sue Storm? Uh, so she's actually the performing member of the Fantastic Four. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, I mean, it only cost the East Southeast Asian delegation twenty five bucks. So hopefully, it works out. <laughs> 30. So she's still doing good, you know? There's a lot of characters at Marvel. All right. Well, currently, she is sitting at 100% approval rating. So uh, we shall see if that, if, if we, uh, she stays there. Because she might get her, she might get her money right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, if you if you're if you're a fan if you're a fan of uh, East Asian Sue Storm, go ahead and cast those votes. Uh, keep what those keep those for? numbers up. What's up? What did she go for? Uh, twenty five. Twenty five. That's a yeah. That's a deal. It's a good deal. Especially if they're about to get it back. Uh, next up, oh, black delegation acquisition. Mara. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. I mean, we we kind of uh, had a, a little uh, elaboration in terms of kind of, you know, my my anti ginger agenda. Mm-hmm. I I I have uh, delighted myself in in picking up some redheads to 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 make some folks mad, and and I continue to do so. I I fully intend to continue to do that. But there's also um the fact of the matter that she is going to show up in, I'm not sure if Aquaman, uh, the, the, the second Aquaman movie comes out in our, our scoring time period, but. Yeah, things get pushed back all the time. So I, I don't yeah. think so. Well, I think it's been but, pushed back to next year. Oh, well, but at least, at least she does show up in Aquaman. Like she, she's not, you know, just, you know, she, she's still around, Mira's still around. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like her as a character. And so there was a lot of interplay there, just, you know, a lot of factors that was like, 
who can I get that, you know, everybody's gotten a lot of really great characters. So I was like, okay, well, fine. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, add her to my roster. Mm-hmm. But since I already filled out my 12, I didn't have room to have her as like a scorer. So I was like, who can I keep people from scoring with? And she was definitely one of the ones who, who caught my eye. So I was going to ask you a little bit more about like the cultural stuff, though. Um, I know you have the anti-redhead agenda, and I'm not going to rain on that. You know, keep, <laughs> keep that pushing. Keep that pushing. Um, all your redhead base belong to us. Um, base with a double S, obviously, because we're black. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. But so do you? You had a visual reference in mind um, for Mera, if, if I recall. I forget who i had in mind dang it um well well one thing i will say um oh wait did i did I, is, is that gabrielle union i think i had gabrielle union for for the visual reference okay, okay well I, I will say that um for for basically my idea behind mira is that we kind of had our little fun in, in our, our recent conversation in terms of um Will Smith slapping Chris Rock over, over, you know, teasing Jada's hair. And mm-hmm. I feel like that would sort of have an interesting, uh, uh, I don't know, just it, it would be very interesting to, to have a Black woman be like the, the character who like nothing can mess up her hair. Not even yes. when she goes into the depths, <laughs> the rough depths of the water. She can swim down to however deep and stay in the water for however long. And, you know, it, it would have a, a positive effect. It actually, like, reminds me of kind of my hair texture. Like, if I get it wet, it, it, it um, gets, like, kind of curly and wavy and stuff. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you have that kind of character who the stereotypical Black woman is like, oh, well, I can't get my hair wet, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you kind of turn it on its head where, like, that's mm-hmm. just me just fine. Let's, let's get wet and wild. So would you have her would you have her have like all of the hairstyles? Like, you know, like just like a different hairstyle every time. But you, you just know it's in, just know it's impeccable no matter what, no matter what. Absolutely. I feel like I feel like she would just be stunting on everybody all the time. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, wow, your hair just and, and like, you know, it's it's obviously her hair is not all there is to her, but that would be kind of you know you you get certain characters who always have these kind of iconic like always switching up costumes always switching up like you know batman has different uniforms for every occasion and mira just walking in like her hair is just popping all the time just always has new looks i feel i i you know what i i, I rock with it i like it you know and uh you'll be happy to know that as of yet with two days with two days left you are currently sitting uh approval rating of 88.9 mm. just a couple percentage points away from 90 percent so uh listeners if you're if you're feeling a black woman who can get her hair wet with impunity um go ahead and cast those votes uh, approval strongly approve somewhat approve somewhat disapprove or strongly disapprove you cannot vote strongly disapprove without being accused of being racist like come on now she can go in the salt water and salt water and doesn't even ask now come on now show me some love speaking of some of our approval ratings from the past week i'll i'm going to run down a couple in succession uh 
63% approval rating for White Kingpin. Wow. Hmm. 78% approval rating for T'Challa being Black. What the fuck, <laughs> America? Mm-mm-mm. 87% approval rating for the uh, T'Challa trade from last week. Hmm. So even higher than... Than, and a 38% approval rating for white T'Challa. And I got my eye on every single See. one of you. It's on site. 38% See. approval rating for white T'Challa. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't even translate. How do you strongly approve the white T'Challa and then strongly approve the trade, but then don't really that strongly approve black T'Challa or white Kingpin? It's giving like <laughs> your mind. Where what are you what are you hoping for here? I mean, it sounds like Catwoman is the is the thing, is the piece that everybody loved. Mm, uh, yeah. nope, I was wrong. 63% approval rate for white catwoman. Um, oh, okay. So so our fans are just trash. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's that's a tough one. You know, I, I prefer black catwoman to white catwoman myself. Mm-hmm. Well. Another official acquisition uh, that came through this week was another defensive pick by the East Southeast Asian delegation as they swooped in and they got hurt, got themselves. Cindy Moon protected from, I believe, I believe that was a shot across the bow as as uh, Toriana was trying to. Uh, now, now I will be, I'll be honest. The name Cindy Moon could be, uh, if you heard that name, you might think she was Native American. I respect that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, defend yourself, you know, I, I, that, I feel like if you would have acquired, if you would have acquired Cindy Moon, it would have been tougher to challenge. I agree. But, uh, the, I, you know, the East Southeast Asian delegation got up in there, you know, paid the, paid the price. Held they on paid to, their dues. Yeah. They held they paid on their to dues. Moon. How much did it cost them? Uh, $7. Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Some, some serious dues there that's like library fees <laughs> look i mean they just they just had to they just had to outbid toriano that's you know toriano's that's all they uh, had to do you know because everybody else was going to get challenged <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah so with two days left they are now sitting at um 85.7 percent approval rating so you know, got to get those. Listen, I found I did a lot of research uh, getting cosplayers in the city, Sydney Moon, uh, Sydney Moon outfit. Um, and if you approve of all the cosplays that I that I posted, uh, you should approve of the should approve of the pick. So I and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Cindy Moon uh, has an Amazon show in development, but it's being developed by Sony. So who knows? It's the alleged silk show. That's true. It is an alleged silk show. Um, but supposedly Lord and Miller are involved. So maybe it'll happen and maybe it'll be good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're getting a Spider-Woman animated movie from the Spider-Verse because they got the guys who directed Avatar and Voltron and a bunch of other shit attached to the, the Spider-Woman spinoff. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, it's gonna be Jessica. Um, they cast as a raise Jessica Drew for it. Yes, um, but I, I didn't know if that I didn't know that was still happening. I thought that was happening as part of the Spider Verse. Um, no, not a, doing, 
Gwen, they're doing Gwen, like Gwen's getting her sequel, and it's going to be with Jessica Drew and so from what I oh. understand. I mean, I know that that was, I know that that's what was being developed at one point. I, I remember I, hearing that, but it was a long time ago. Exactly. Um, so I was not said it's not happening. No, it's just been quiet. Yeah, because I thought that the I, I thought that the Jessica Drew um, casting was for Spider Verse, was for the second Spider Verse movie, not for yeah, that, that's not for Ice Away. That's, that's Ice Away is is a uh, is, is that how you pronounce her name? I'm, I, I I'm think it's just Issa. I think it's Issa. Okay, Issa Rae. So yeah. um, she was cast for Spider Woman for Spider Verse or the spinoff movie, or I'm not sure what all was involved there but she was cast for the animated side right then yes that's and and that's what we were saying we were saying but i believe that it was for spider-verse too but look, we can look that up we have access to the internet weirdly enough <laughs> um, but uh i should have said Issa race you guys can vamp a little bit while my slow computer does its slow computer things. Okay. I want to um, talk about something quickly because I don't know if anybody else is reading it, but anybody reading the fucking Ghost Rider book right now? The book? Yeah, the Ghost Rider book. Oh, I, no, really liked, I really like the first issue. I haven't read it, the second one. The second issue, I think, is just as fucking good. And I think, like, if this is allowed to run, this could be like a, or, a Mortal Hulk level run for Ghost Rider. Hmm. If it can go far Who's writing that? That's Benjamin uh, ben- Percy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, Issa Rae is being, is, in, uh, is in the Across the Spider Verse. That's what she was oh, cast for. Okay. Um, yeah. But she still may get her spinoff. You know. Yeah, but Benjamin Percy, like I really like him on Wolverine, so it doesn't surprise me that he's you know writing the hell out of uh, Ghost uh, Johnny Blaze. But it was a lot more trippy. It was a lot more trippy than I expected it to be. Yeah, it's got that trippy element, but it's got like, you know how like Immortal Hulk has this big grandiose narration mm-hmm. to it? Ghost Rider has that, but it's not quite as grandiose. It's more gritty. And like, he just mm-hmm. like, his poetica about bikes and fucking highways and shit. <laughs> it goes over <laughs> fucking beautiful fucked up art. And it's just so great. It's yeah. fucking fantastic. Well, I I will I will slightly I will slightly pivot a little bit back on topic by saying that um, we I, I just want to give a shout out to the whole creative crew behind this recent uh, Jessica Drew comic run. Oh yes, good golly, that comic was so good, and they they just recently ended with their twenty first issue, I believe, and it was it was really great. Is I feel like it's one of the uh oh, you lost Randy for a second. Well, I support what he's saying. <laughs> As do I. As do I. I echo Randy's praise, even though uh, the opposite of an echo is happening now. Um, y- yell into the void, Randy, yell into the void. But we will move on a little bit to the next pick, which was an- another acquisition by the multiracial delegation. They acquired the second piece of their Wolverine puzzle, they acquire Laura Kinney, um, Wolverine, former X-23, uh, his clone daughter, well, not clone anymore, but clone-ish daughter, uh, mm. and she's uh, Matisse. Is that how it's pronounced, Sean? Métis. Métis. 
So, uh, crap, how far did I fade out? How, how, how far off topic am I now? Uh, we, we're, we just start, well, we echoed your sentiments about, uh, Spider-Woman and, uh, we, we had just moved on to, uh, Laura Kinney's acquisition by the multiracial delegation. Uh, say it one more time, uh, Sean. It's Meaty. Meaty. I had only seen it written. I had never heard it pronounced. Uh, but she is meaty. And that is. Go on. Sorry. Oh, oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, it's, it's meaty. It's not meaty. You said meaty. And I was like, I was like that's hilarious. Go yeah, on. Well, sure, sure. Uh, They're like a uh, gambit would. I, I'm, I'm, my French is not as good as yours, I'm sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> if you can, if you can, uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it right now. Uh, let the listeners know a little bit more as a Canadian about the, uh, the, the Métis people. Okay. Well, they're like half white, half, half native. Mm-hmm. They're, they're French because the French settled in this part of Canada. Uh, like Métis mostly comes like most of my experience with them has been in Manitoba, which is where I'm from. Okay. And there's there's a, just a large French community here. I'll bet you there's a lot in Quebec as well. But it's just like French white heritage mixed with French Nations heritage. All right. So I mean, a lot of people have thought that you know Wolverine would make sense as a um, you know as a Native American. Um, he I think he would also you know make potential sense as a you know as a Métis uh person um and of course Laura as his daughter also makes sense and uh got a good price got a good price in the in the uh the bidding wars five dollars for for Wolverine what do you think Sean well she's currently sitting at number 25 overall for Marvel so that's a great deal all right uh and the people which you see, you know, there's two days left though. 93.3 approval rating for a multiracial Wolverine. Uh, keep those votes coming in, you know, those approvals. Um, see if uh, see if they can, uh, that approval can, can stick. It's been a while since yeah. we had a 90% approval. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is just, you know, I guess the, the minority opinion, but I, I really feel like I hope they go for a, a native, um first nations canadian for for the role of logan and for the role of laura i really do i mean it would be it would be nice but i i mean it's so hard after what they did with hugh jackman uh we just have to hope that 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 um creatively uh marvel will be looking to to kind of go outside of the box i mean i i say that i say that purely because like obviously you know for for the the canadian and and first nations connect but also just the fact that like whoever comes next after hugh jackman and especially you know if if they um don't go with daphne king for for um laura kinney uh, going forward in the mcu like whoever comes next is already gonna kind of get crap anyway so you might as well go ahead and swing for the fences and just kind of do the character justice like you know just let it be what it what it could be. It's best possible potential there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just grab a uh, just grab a five six Native American and call it a day. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're saying they're not they're not not in short supply is what you're what you're implying. <laughs> I, I mean to 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 hear the to hear the uh, the Hollywood casting agencies tell it like you know they act like every any demographic outside of white folks is is like we have to have our binders full of women or whatever the heck. <laughs> You know, the Métis, a lot of Métis people are white passing. So so maybe they can find themselves a Métis actor, you know, have the best of both worlds, i.e. the multiracial delegation, all of their powers, none of their weaknesses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That brings us to the, of course, controversial pick of the week, which was actually actually won by the Latinx delegation. They acquired themselves uh, Shang-Chi and then immediately traded him, (laughs) immediately (laughs) traded him to the Native American delegation. Uh, For who again? For Miguel O'Hara. And I gotta say, I am a fan of uh, fully fully Latino Miguel O'Hara. Mm-hmm. That's and you know obviously we've talked about it before that the uh, the spider the spider logo is is uh, of Spider Man twenty ninety nine has has so many Day of the Dead motifs so you know I, I'm and obviously Oscar Isaac is going to voice him in the upcoming Across the Spider Verse film so uh, big win for the Latinx delegation they got out from under the uh, the challenge. Uh, and now, now Tariana has to sweat it out. But uh, <laughs> you know, we talked at length. Let's find out what this. Let's find out how this approval rating is shaking out, though. Woo. <laughs> so far, so far, fifty-five point five percent approval rating. Oh God! <laughs> on the trade or on on the on. Oh, so you're right. That is that is for sorry. That was for Latino Shang Chi. Uh, Latino Shang Chi. Okay. Okay. 50, okay. Is that 55.5? We, we, I don't, I think I'm at currently. Hold on a second. We're talking overall approval rating. I'm not sure. I had, I asked for a little bit of clarification on that. I'm not sure. Yeah. So currently, currently the approval rating is at 85.8, 85.8 approval rating. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Then maybe bodes well for you in the challenge. All right, we shall see. We shall see. So uh, the entire so the approval rating is strictly based on strongly approved. No, no, the approval rating is both the strongly approved and the somewhat approved. It's it's any approve any any approval. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. As far as the bonus cash or anything like that, it's both. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's the first half, the first half, the approved, the two approves versus the two disapproves, you know. And uh, let's find out where we are on the uh, Latinx or sorry, Latino Miguel O'Hara is, is currently at 81.8% approval, which is uh, shocking, shocking that it's so low. Yeah, I guess, I guess the I guess the Irish, the Irish were like, you can't take away. The Ohio name. <laughs> Get used to it, Ireland. 
But um, next up, another character that was a little bit shocking from from where I sat. Uh, Randy, uh, talk about your black girl magic, Clea. Yes, um, I I really like the the last season. I I brought up Clea because I I really was like kind of in that mode. We had already gotten to the supplemental draft and I was thinking like, who are some characters who I, you know, they probably won't score, but at least I can try to um, kind of just show my love for the character. And one of them was Clea and I fan cast my, my, you know, my visual reference was Ruth Nega and it just kind of stuck. I was like, wait a second. Now, I, I really kind of would like to see that, you know, that that portrayal of this character. And so, you know, to my pleasant surprise, we get um, uh, Jed McKay doing this this new title. He, he you know, did the whole event, uh, Death of Doctor Strange. And now we have Claire Strange as the new Sorceress Supreme of this dimension. So I'm like, Oh, so you mean to tell me I can now get points for this thing that I already like? And so, um, happily, nobody else really put too much, uh, you know, kind of contention into trying to draft her. And I was, you know, I was able to pull it off. All right. All right. So, I mean, this, I'm, I'm, I suppose you're not making too many changes to her backstory, um, having, you know, her, her, her being black doesn't really change too much right i mean she she literally is an extra dimensional you know entity like she she says it herself i am of the fall team so she is she um i i guess she would say that the fall team maybe look black or or you know she's one of them who looks black but i guess it would just kind of put her sort of in a circle maybe of um i don't know i, I guess you you can kind of see her uh sort of not just dr strange and not just wong but also interacting with uh, uh dr voodoo or kind of having some mystical adventures with storm and kind of uh looking into um exploration of like the loa and the orisha and, and, and that sort of topic you could explore that but not necessarily is, is is her story inherently changed by her being black okay all right yeah i was i mean it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out in the um because i haven't read really a lot of clea uh stories uh in marvel so yeah and, you know and i mean frankly frankly she has been largely a background character that that's almost been exclusive like she has a history with the defenders with of course dr strange um she i'm trying to think she recently like was in uh fearless defenders and you know she she's been around see her but she's not this leading lady up until this very point from my recollection right so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing uh how you know how a character like in the in the current run there's been a rumor that that clea may appear in dr strange multiverse of madness which is uh, i hope just a month away um, yeah I, I hope so either either multiverse of madness or or you know if not there the only other place i could see plausibly is like way down the line whenever agatha harkness's uh disney plus show comes out which would be like 
why wait that long? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? You know, but I, I'm I'm looking forward to see how how Jen McKay, you know, sort of fleshes out her character and how you know whether whether that still comports with, and I think it will. Um, you know how we've reimagined her for this season of the racial draft. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that with three days left, uh, 87.5% approval rating for Clea. So yeah. uh, do what you can, listeners. If you approve, make that approval known. And if you're racist, keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, a character that was acquired by the Latinx delegation. Uh, gotta say, kind of an interesting interesting direction. Uh, Remy LeBeau, AKA Gambit, I guess has switched his French accent for a, for a Spanish accent. What do we all think about that? I I can't get it out of my head now that he he will no longer sound like um, <laughs> he, he he will no longer sound like Pepe Le Pew and now he's going to sound like Juanissimo Magnifico from Fairly Odd Parents. I wish I knew who that was, um, <laughs> but uh, he's a Latin lover now. Yeah, Latin lover. Now I don't know. Is there a big uh, Latino contingent in New Orleans? I have no idea, but I feel, I feel like there's room for it just because like, even, even if he maintained like the, the, also the French speaking aspect, just kind of the, 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 the sort of over the top himboism is <laughs> just very entertaining to to imagine i feel like that that would be very fun to kind of reimagine his story yeah i'm definitely waiting to hear a little bit more from from carlos about what this uh what this reimagined backstory would be for uh for latino gambit all right one second guys one second. Hmm. I feel like this season we're kind of just getting like folks that we didn't expect to kind of be, you know, prominent character. I mean, not not necessarily prominent characters, because again, Gambit is still not like a, a top scorer. But just, you know, from the Marvel side, at least, we kind of see like, oh, I didn't think that person was going to get a solo or like it, it was not, you know, kind of one of the run of the mill people. And, and that's refreshing that you get. Kind of some... DC just doubles down on fucking Batman and yeah. Marvel. like every character has a season at Marvel mm-hmm. and it's not always their season, but their season yeah. will come eventually. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about Marvel. Yeah, because we, we um, for a while, like, uh, I, I just was, I think it was either last uh, episode or a couple episodes ago. It's like, you know, Cloak and Dagger, they, they kind of had their time when the show was coming out, and, and now they're back on Savage Avengers a couple of years later. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. That's, that's why I like, I, I feel good now. I feel almost like I could have drafted Krakoa this season again 
and actually gotten points this time around. I could have actually gotten points for Krakoa this time around because it's like, oh, he's showing up in Immortal X Men and he's showing up in, um, well, I mean, y'all y'all stop scoring the Infinity Comics, but you know he showed up in there too. So he, he yeah, he thinks. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, that Infinity Comics thing. I can't say can't say I'm a fan of the decision. It hurt too. It, it did because those, those Infinity Comics were like. Oh snap! We we suddenly got some points now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, characters that were you know would just sort of pop up, and you'd be like, "Hey, that's cool. You guys care about this guy for, you know, a time." Uh, Wong got his Infinity comic for for a Chinese New Year, and like you know, randomly Agatha Harkness and and you know she had a role in that that Wiccan and Hulkling thing. It's just like we 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 gotta see if we if we can work something out and get y'all uh to to show us a, a little bit of love on on the Infinity Comics front. Okay. Well so right now I, I'm not I don't I don't do the Marvel side that much. So <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. help you but I will mention that is a good point, what you brought up about the fact that like certain characters who don't appear anywhere else do appear in the Infinity Comics. Mm-hmm. But he's also got two kids with possibly a third on the way. And <laughs> there's, there's two of them. The Infinity Comics are free, though. They are free. <laughs> yes, but the time is not. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, listeners. This is this was a lot of a uh, fantasy comics league uh, navel gazing, but we haven't even done a good job of explaining to the listeners what the fantasy comics league is. How would you like to do a hard sell in fantasy comics league, Sean? So the fantasy comic league is a system that scores Marvel and DC characters on their performances in the weekly comics Marvel and DC put out. They score categories like team-ups, lead teams, save civilians, defeat the antagonists, and then a variety of powers that my co-host and I, Brian, discuss weekly to give a larger context into how the Fantasy Comic League scoring works. This week we're doing versus and snare. And uh, so, yeah, so you I was going to mention that, uh, listeners, there's also a Fantasy Comic League podcast. Um, and you guys should check it out. You guys do super d- deep dives on uh, the powers and how they're defined and how they should be defined under your Fantasy Comics League uh, system. I still think you guys should do more predictions. Um, you know, what, what characters uh, you guys should, you know, should be targeted in, in the upcoming weeks. But, you know, I understand the deep dives are important too. So we don't have the turnaround on episodes that you do. Uh, so if we record something, it could be three to weeks before it comes out. So at that point, it's pointless. Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely want to want to get them out faster so that you could give people the, 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 you know, promotion of the upcoming month. So yes, so approval rating for Gambit is at 80%. So uh, three days left if you if you want to uh, switch that accent. If you if you like you like how the the uh, the Latin lover, the Latin lover uh, over over the Frenchman, go ahead and, and get in there get get those votes in. 
uh, should mention that we got we got a uh, couple of pieces, right? A couple of pieces of fan art that we need to shout out. Uh, one of mm-hmm. them, of course, uh, came from Carlos. Uh, he came through with a uh, depiction of uh, of South Asian Electra. So, uh, you know, it's a good pick. Guys, check it out on the on the social feeds at Racial Draft, mm-hmm. uh, Racial Draft Pod on Twitter, Racial Draft on Instagram, and Racial Draft on Facebook. You can see all of our feeds and all of our fan arts. And um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and award uh, ten points to the South Asian delegation for getting the fan art. And oh, not, not yes, points. I'm giving ten points to <laughs> the South Asian delegation, and I'm also giving ten points to the Latinx delegation. Although I don't have a mechanism for that. So I will not be giving him points. I'll be giving him money. I will give him, <laughs> I'll be giving him 25 bonus dollars. And we'll make it 20. Uh, 20 bonus dollars, but 10 points, bonus points to the South Asian delegation. Actually, you know what? They still have characters to get. They could probably use the points. 20 points, 20 and 20. Sorry, listeners, we're disjointed tonight. (laughs) And I can't even blame it on the booze. I can't even blame it on the booze. Next character that got acquired is a new character, but I feel like this character, uh, when we first met this character, we didn't know this character, who he was under his mask. And that character over the last year has been confirmed. We know his name and everything. He's from Singapore. Minkakoa Khan, AKA Ghost Maker, was, was confirmed and solidified by the East Southeast Asian delegation. Sean, you as a DC FC, FCL person, what's he looking like? Okay, last year, Ghostmaker had uh, possibly even higher than Batman points per appearance. Like, he was he was through the roof. Like, I want to say he had something like, I, I mean, not Batman, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman mm-hmm. has, like, nine points per appearance. Like, that's her average. She's really good. I think he was something like 11. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Ghostmaker kills it when he shows up. He hasn't been doing much this year, though. Yeah, I thought he had. I thought he had like a mini coming, but but maybe not. He's over Batman Incorporated. Oh, okay. So maybe mm-hmm. he's getting he's getting maybe Detective. He's he's getting a, a an expanded role in Detective Comics. I think it'll be a mini or in the main Batman book, if anything. Okay. Well, the. Uh, yeah, so the Southeast East Southeast Asian delegation went ahead and solidified, got themselves a Bat family member. And like you said, the from a bang for buck perspective, the Bat family member. And right now, hold on a second, sorry. Right now, that approval rating is sitting at eighty-seven. So just get a couple more of those approval votes in and get them over 90. 
Mikko Khan. Mm -hmm. Another acquisition, another defensive pick by the East Southeast Asian delegation, another Bat family member, Cassandra Kane. Ever heard of her? Mm-hmm. Um, not really. Have you ever heard of her? Like, but <laughs> I mean, if you if you've seen Birds of Prey, you've heard the name Cassandra Kane. But obviously, a lot of people will tell you that they like the comic version of the character. Uh, they've uh, had her appear on Young Justice um, in in the current season, I believe. Um, and yeah, you know, Yep. So, you know, she's her her appeal. And her exposure is going up and, um, you know, good time to have her, but she's going to be only a part of the supplemental roster as the East Southeast Asian delegation, uh, you know, has their, their whole roster filled up. So what is a roster? The, the supplemental roster, unlike the main roster will not be scored for FCL points. Um, So you're, you'll get, you get your 12 uh, FCL characters, and then all the rest are supplemental characters where you can just do their backstories, uh, do fan art, uh, just use them to flesh out the storylines uh, and the ideas of them sort of either staying the race or you know becoming a different race. And um, once you fill up your roster, if you have a leftover acquisition budget, you can still participate in the, in the, uh, in the bids, um, but the characters just go to your supplemental roster so you know what's ridiculous with marvel and dc combined top 10 heroes with both both combined cassandra kane's in the number nine and she is not going to fucking score any points that is that is rough that is rough wow strategically speaking uh that that those that's rough that's what happens when uh when you get you get chosen late in the late in the in the draft but well i i in in, i i will slightly defend some you know just because we we kind of um see patterns in terms of dc and you know some characters kind of you can sort of see the tea leaves or whatever it is and and you can kind of tell oh this character is kind of getting a little bump in the comics but Cassandra Kane is one of those characters who consistently is is sort of underrated. In, yeah, she is, and and like we we got uh, we have Batgirls, and and like she shows up, but she kind of gets these supporting roles, and and we don't really know whether or not she's going to be heavily used. And then all of a sudden, like randomly, you feel, oh, they 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 uh, showed one of her kind of skills in terms of like uh, reading body language or something like that. Like you, you don't get kind of a consistent feel of like her presence there. And right. even, even like a Bat Family team up thing, she's not guaranteed to be there, which sucks. And, and you know, we, we, as we mentioned, Birds of Prey was like not really a, a glowing moment for her portrayal either, so. Yeah. That is but, not even remotely true at the moment. Cassandra Kane is one of the most present Bat Family members. She's in Batgirl. She's at all the team ups. She usually kicks some ass at all the team ups. Mm-hmm. She doesn't just stand around. She goes and beats the shit out of somebody. Well, fantastic. Well, I mean, if you had been on an earlier episode where you could have touted 
uh, you could have touted Cassandra Kane as a character to get. Uh, I like I said, the East Southeast Asian delegation is happy to keep her out of the hands of any of the other delegations. Uh, defense, offense by defense is uh, is, is acceptable. But I yeah, hear you. Good move. Don't let Carlos get him. Yeah. <laughs> That leaves us with the final pick of the round, sorry, final pick of the week. And that would have come by way of the Latinx delegation. Johnny Storm, Human Torch, breaking up the siblings, one of which is East Asian, the other would be Latino. Johnny Storm, I mean, what's there to say? He's a hothead. He's a, you know, hot-headed Latino dude. It's, it's not, not a hard line to make. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of spicy spicy metaphors being used for uh the for the latino human torch what are your thoughts randy i mean he's he's hot-headed but he's also like really uh hot in the pants he's kind of hopping around and, and, and being involved with different women and stuff like that. So, I mean, I I would love to hear uh, Carlos spell that one out. Like that's, I, I feel like the, the backstory is very uh, rich with potential. For sure. And, uh, you know, with five days left, so there's more than enough time to get the approval rating up. It's currently sitting at 86.8, no, 86.6%. So. 87.6. Sorry, math. Math is not mathing today. Um, <laughs> 80, 87.6% approval rating. So even less space to make up to get up to that 90% uh, approval rating. So if you approve of a hothead Latino Johnny Storm and you're not racist, go ahead and cast that vote. That's kind of a very, very interesting uh, Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Spanish stereotypes, but I I assure you I I'm I'm not racist. <laughs> yes, this is that is that is the that is the space in the Venn diagram that we fit, listeners. The that 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 part of the two circles that looks like a vagina. <laughs> oh man but uh yeah so that was that was the week um i believe i gave out all the bonus points that i needed to give out this week um let me know if i forgot anyone i don't think i did so never hurt to give my delegation some extra i mean did you do anything bonus worthy <laughs> No did, comment. Did, 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 <laughs> did, was, uh, as racial draft bonus worthy, sir. <laughs> was there a, a little bit of backstory? Was this a fan art? No, 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 no. Uh, no. No. No, there. Well, actually, wait, there was, Randy. You, I, there was. There was a bit of Nubia fan art, if I recall correctly. You yes, that is true. That is true. There was some Nubia fan art that I totally missed. 
So I'm going to go ahead and wait, 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 but did, did you, okay, you're, you're saying that you missed, but did you forget to add that last week? Because we discussed that last week. You know, because remember last week it wasn't finalized. Ah, uh, okay. Fine. I, I'll, 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 uh, I'll back off. It's fine. I'll take the yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure you will. Who you take, I, I'm, I'm, I assume you'll take the points and not the, I assume you'll take the points and not the money. I mean, at, at this point, I've already filled out my 12. So, I mean, I, I don't really have any use for the money. So, yes, I, I please points. All right. So, week, week seven, you will be getting 10 points. If I can find, if I can find it. There we go. 10, you see? A little bit of jokes. A little bit of jokes, and we got you. We got you those ten bonus points that you needed, and uh, we will give Carlos ten dollars in bonus cash. He's just raking in that bonus cash. It's amazing what happens when you have an artist as part of your delegation. You might want to get some actual actual skill. <laughs> you might want to uh, get your recruiting tentacles out there. You know, I however, probably want to refrain from actually being tentacles involved, but yes, point taken. Well, that's probably where we're going to leave it. We started with some tentacles, we'll end with some tentacles. Um, this is, you know, from all angles, that's how we attack the problem of the racial draft. And, um, you know, if you like our brand of hilarity and you want to be a part of it next week. Uh, this is your first episode. I apologize. I definitely apologize this week, but um, you know, hopefully you'll hopefully you'll give us another shot. Hopefully you'll you'll come on through. Uh, lend us your ears. Uh, lend us your ears is what I said. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, let those tentacles get tentacling, and um, we will join you next week with um, more hilarity, more draft picks, and until next time. All things are possible.